show us today. Uh, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the kids in the room. Thank you for the students in the room and all the adults in the room, God. And I just thank you that of all ages we can come together around your word and it can mean something for us. We pray, God, that you would inspire us, that you would challenge us, that you would help us to walk out of this room different than when we came into this room, God, because we've encountered your powerful and living word. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said... All right. Well, hey, one of my favorite things to do as I'm driving around town is to find cheesy church signs. All right. They're out there. I promise you, um, whether you're in whatever town and some of them are really meaningful. Right. We got this little you got the little display on the bottom where you only have like so many words and you got to like make the greatest impact you can with the few words that you have. And so it's tricky. It's not an easy thing to do. And so um, I was really impressed with some. I Googled some and then there was some that are just flat out cheesy. And then there was some where we need to like hire that sign guy because you need to get on that level okay and so let's just check out a few of these that I found and uh, this is a church sign fail those of you that aren't laughing are really bad at spelling okay it's like you I failed spelling I have no idea what's everybody laughing about it says get behind me satin okay you get it it's it's crazy get behind me satin uh what does satin have to do with any I don't know I was okay church sign guy you're fired all right um here's another one this is you thought you've been to some crappy churches, all right? Can't help myself. All right, next one. That's tricky. You're not too cold to change the sign. Message inside. Come get it. You know, like, oh, man, you get me every time. Now I gotta fig- I'm curious, and i got to come in and see what the message is. Oh, man, that's a good one. All right, tricky, tricky. All right, here's a good one. So, really? That was his last day. Like, okay, dude, that's the last time. I'll let you do the sign, you know, and what in the world, right? I think what they meant was that's the topic this week, come listen to it. But still, like, you just got to read it for what it's worth. And uh, sorry, that's your last day. Thanks for being here. This is my favorite one, though. Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's pretty hot where you're going. (laughs) You got to appreciate a church with a sense of humor, right? I mean, I just, I love that. I love that. I was driving around town one time, though, and and, in all seriousness, I saw a church sign, and I don't know what they were getting at with this message, but on the sign it said, having trouble sleeping, come in for a sermon. And I'm like, really? Is that what we're... Is that what we're going for? Is like, hey, you really having trouble sleeping? We'll put you to sleep. No problem. Just come on in, and uh, we'll take care of that. I'm sure the intention was different, but I thought to myself, man, like, you need to fire your PR guy, a.k.a. probably just whoever put the sign out there and had that idea. But here's the question that I really want to tee up and I want to lead toward, and that is, what message are we sending people? When we think about the large percentage, the majority percentage is continuing to be a growing majority of people that are on the outside of church looking in, unchurched folks, what kind of messages are we sending them? And I'm not just talking about church signs now, although that's a topic to be, you know, mentioned. I'm also talking about just as a community of people, what's the message that we're sending people? And then let's make it a little bit personal for a second. What if we're Christ's ambassadors and we're the representatives of the church of Jesus Christ, what message are we sending people with our lives? In the places that we spend all of our time, in our workplaces, in our everyday encounters with people. Kids, when you guys go to school and you come in here and on Sunday morning you sing about Jesus, you're excited about Jesus, and then you go to school on Monday morning, do you represent Jesus and show the love of Jesus when you're at school? Or... Does it look something different than that? 
because we are either good PR or really bad PR when it comes to being the representatives of Jesus. And as I've talked to people along the way and over the years, I've heard people describing their experiences with church, and some experiences are good, and and, um, I've heard people's encounters with church people, and again, some are good, and then some aren't so good. I've heard words like, you know, it's just, I, I went to church, but it was just really stiff. You know, I went to church, but it's just kind of this sterile environment. You know, I went to church way back when, but it just had gotten kind of stagnant. You know, I went to church, but, you know, the people acted like they had it all together when really they didn't. It was just a lot of hypocritical people. And it always bothers me, and I know that there's probably some truth in that, but here's the thing that bothers me. Jesus was none of those things. Jesus was not stiff. Jesus was not sterile. Jesus was not boring. Jesus was not lame. If you heard a message of Jesus, you wouldn't be falling asleep during the Sermon on the Mount. You'd be compelled. You'd be drawn into it. If you encountered the people of God, you would encounter something very real going on in their lives because they had brushed shoulders with Jesus and they were never the same again. And so my question is, why are God's people known as party poopers? That's a real question. Why are we known as party poopers? We're party people. We have more to celebrate than any other group of people. I believe that because of the gospel of Jesus that we're party people. We have more to celebrate, and it's been my desire to change that perception. When I was in college, uh, we were part of this group on, uh, on our college campus at UK. We started this group, and it was called Reality, and it was all about, really, we had one objective. In the middle of just kind of a toxic climate of a co- college campus, we decided that as the people of God, it was our responsibility to throw the best parties on campus. Why? Because God's people have the most to celebrate. We are redemptive people. We are rescued people. And so we have a reason to celebrate. And so we'd hire DJs. Actually, a lot of our friends in this group were DJs. And the party would be bumping. We would occasionally have noise violations. But when the guys showed up on campus, they're like, wait, there's not even alcohol here? Like, what's going on? And you guys are crazy. And everybody from all over campus would just show up and be like, I want to go to that party because there's just something crazy happening among this group of church people that just has this desire to dance and go crazy and celebrate life and it was awesome we did throw we threw the biggest parties on campus in the years that we were there why because we're party people God's people are party people and we can wake up without a headache or a hangover the next day we're party people we're good news people we're rescued people we're people who have been called out of darkness into wonderful light we're people who were dead and have been brought to life We're alive. We should be the most alive people in the room. We should be the life of the party in that way. And that wherever we go, life follows. We should be a people, we're a people who were slaves to sin and brokenness and have been set free. We're a people of freedom. We've been changed day by day from the inside out because we met this man named Jesus and our life hasn't been the same. We're a people who have encountered the limitless love of God. And it's turning our lives and the lives around us upside down. Is that true? Is that true? Not just on the inside is that true, but on the outside is that true? One of my other guilty pleasures is to watch this show called The Good Wife. All right, anybody watch this show? Only like two people first hour and nobody this. Okay, I see you. I see you. I see you. All right. Um, So there's a couple, um, but my wife got me into this show, and it's like, you know, kind of this courtroom drama. But one of the things that I love that they always ask this question is, okay, that's a great theory, they'll say to like one of the other uh, lawyers. That's a great theory, but where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? In other words, I understand what you're saying, but where's the evidence to back that up? And friends, what I want to say to us is 
we are the evidence that Jesus and the gospel is real and true. We are the best evidence when we allow God to invade our lives and we allow this heavenly party to invade um, our, the places that we live and work and, and are in the name of Jesus and our lives should be the best evidence of it. We're living proof that God still changes the lives of everyday people. That he gives victory to everyday people. And so, while it's a great theory, where's the evidence? And only you can ask that question about yourself to say, man, is that really true about me? Do I really bring life? Am I, like, alive? When I, do people encounter me? They're like, man, there's just so much joy when it comes to that person. There's so much peace when it comes to that person. There's something curious about their lives, and I can't figure out what it is. And then when they ask you what it is, you're like, well, it's Jesus. I really don't have any other explanation except to say my life was a wreck. My life was a dead end. And Jesus got a hold of me, and it hasn't been the same since. We're party people not party poopers. And when Jesus came to earth, he had this announcement. And he embodied the kingdom of heaven. And he came and said this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, there's this heavenly party that's happening and it's exploding into earth. And I am the, the I, I, it's coming through me. And so today, I just want to spend some time talking about that party. I want to tee up this idea of what does the kingdom party really look like? And if we're a people that have been blown away by the boundless grace of God, what should it look like for us? This party that Jesus is talking about, and maybe the theological, not so theological question is, if Jesus were to throw a party, what would it look like? I could tell you it would be the best party. And here's the reality, he is throwing a party. And that's what he's talking about every time he talks about this kingdom of God that is invading earth via his presence. And so let's just make some observations today as we dive into the text in Luke 14 um, about what party people look like and about what we know as party people and what we know about the party, okay? So we're going to turn Luke 14 as we're going to be camping out today. And um, so if you have a Bible, turn there. Otherwise, follow along on the screens as we get started. So just to kind of give you some context to catch you up to where we are in the text today, Jesus is invited to a party, um, a gathering of Pharisees, which notoriously he has... Um, <laughs> these struggles with Pharisees, really all throughout the text, if you've been following around, around, along in Luke. And really this section of Luke we're in right now is all of these encounters that he's having with the Pharisees where there's these exchanges and these exchanges get heated. And Jesus is trying to help them reorient their view about what God is like and what the kingdom of God is like, but they're not really getting it. And so they invite him to the party, and a lot of times they invite him to the party because they want to trap him or trick him or um, belittle him, um, the problem is you can't really do that with Jesus, all right? You can't really trap him or trick him, and they end up always being the ones that look stupid. So note to self, don't try to trap or trick Jesus, you will look stupid, all right? And they start to learn this. And so here's some things that happen as soon as he arrives at the party, all right? Never a dull moment with Jesus, never a dull moment. So he gets to the party, he notices there's a man um, that is in need of healing, and he asks the Pharisees a simple question as soon as he gets there. He's like, hey, um, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, he knows what it says in the law book, um, but he's trying to reorient them around the kingdom party, and so um, he just asks the question, and normally they would try to answer, but they've started to learn that every time they try to answer, they look really, really dumb. So they figure silence is probably the best thing in this scenario. They don't say anything. Jesus by his example, then heals this man, and, and, uh, and 
uh, paints a really cool picture of um, what his love is like, even on the Sabbath, that love triumphs. And so we see that. So that's the first thing that happens. This would have rubbed them the wrong way because they firmly believe that you don't do anything on the Sabbath, not even good. And so his point is, is it, is it better to do good or evil on the Sabbath? Okay, no answers, no takers. All right, you're healed. And then he heals this man without even, like, lifting a finger, which is incredible. Again, never a dull moment. The next thing that happens is, is everybody's, so he offends them in that way, but he's not really worried about it. Um, then he, he offends them in another way by everybody, all the guests at the party, they're trying to, like, get into their seats, and they all want to take the cool seat, right? Like, I want to sit at the seat of honor. I want to sit up toward the head of the table, you know, where the really important people sit. And so they're moving to the places of honor. They're moving to the places of honor. And Jesus is like, I'll tell you guys a story. Okay, now he's about to offend a whole lot more people. So he tells this story about how when you go to a, a, a table, you shouldn't sit at the high place because then the person, that somebody that's more respected than you might come along and you might be asked to move down on the table. And so he explains this to them to basically say, hey, listen, you guys, you know, you're puffing your spiritual chest here, but what you should be doing is sitting at the low seat. That way, in honor, you can be moved up to the higher seat. And so now he's just called them all out, you know, and Okay, anybody left? You know, anybody left standing? So he turns to the person that invited him to the party, all right? And this is where we are as we're picking up the text today. And um, he says to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Here's a little party trick for you. Next time you're invited to a party, just go in and be like, who's, who's on the guest list, right? Like right in front, who, who did you invite to this party, you know? This is a, all these people are just like you. What credit is that to you? And so Jesus calls out the person that called the party and said, where's, where's all the crippled? Where's all the lame? Where's all the, the poor people? You know, what, what's going on here? This is a lame party, you know? That's pretty, he just lays it down there. And so Jesus is like not making a ton of friends at this point. And so it gets really, really awkward, as you can imagine, right? Like if somebody says something like that, like walks into the room and be like, this party is lame, you know. Um, can you just imagine, like, everybody's like, oh, man, this is getting weird. And some of you are that kind of person where you can't let something like that go. You're so antsy in an awkward moment. You say, I got to say something. Like, I got I to gotta break the tension. I can't sit in this tension any longer. And sure enough, there's a guy at this table that does the same thing, and it says this. When one of those you reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Just like, that's just the first thing that came to my head. You know, I just, I, I just had to blur something out. It was getting really weird, and so I just spit that out. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so, you know, he's just, you know, whatever, trying to break the tension. And Jesus goes, hey, I'm glad you brought that topic up, actually. Let's talk about the kingdom of God. And then he begins to talk about and describe this party. And so he says this, a man once gave a banquet, he invited many, and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready, but they all began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field, and I must go see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, I must go examine them. We've all been there, right? Um, I haven't. Uh, Please have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I can't come. So the servant came and he reported these things to the master then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant go out quickly to the streets the lanes the city um, and bring in the poor the crippled the, the blind and the lame and the servant said what you have commanded has been done and still there's more room 
And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And all I can say is, I don't want to be the guy that doesn't taste the banquet. I don't want to be the guy that misses the party that's happening right in front of me. I don't want to be the guy that misses the party Jesus is throwing. Because there's no party like a Jesus party, I can tell you that. And here's what we know about it. The first thing we know about if Jesus were to throw a party, which, as I've shown you, he is throwing a party called the kingdom of God. Here's the thing that you know about that party. Everybody's a VIP in the kingdom of God. Everybody's a VIP. Even the people that everyone else pushes to the fringes of society and forgets about, Jesus says, those are the people that need to be here. Those are the people that need to be at the party. Everybody's a VIP in my kingdom. And if Jesus were throwing a party, nobody would be forgotten. And the Pharisees, they seem to keep forgetting people, excluding people, based on merit or status or perceived importance or who they may or may not feel is clean or unclean. They continue to leave people off the guest list. And Jesus, it's one of his biggest beefs with them. You're shutting the kingdom of God in people's faces is what he says in Matthew 23, 13. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who are enter who are trying to. In other words, you act like you have earned your place. It's one of the problems when you've been around for a while is you start to think that, hey, I have more, I I should be at this table more than somebody else. And so they, they figured that since they were the spiritual elite in society, that they had somehow earned that right and earned that status. And Jesus is correcting that for them. All right, how many of you kids, I see you kids in the room. How many of you guys have Kings Island passes? Where are my Kings Island people at? All right, all right, awesome. All right, how many of you guys now, because there's something, did you know there's a gold pass? How many of you guys are gold pass? Where's my gold pass people? All right, I see you guys, I see you. I'm sorry if you're not a gold pass person, but it's something sweet that Kings Island does, and it may be gimmicky, but I'm like, cool, I want the gold pass. I don't want the regular pass. Are you kidding me? I want the gold pass. It comes with free parking. It has all kinds of other parks. It has early ride times. I get to get into the water park whenever I want. It's just awesome. That's the, I get to invite friends on special friend days, and now you guys are going to want to be my friends because I got friend day, and you can come with me. Um, but I got all these special perks with, with the gold pass, and so I'll show up to the park, especially like at 9 in the morning, 9.30, like about a half hour before they open, and you get to ride before everybody else. And so I'm walking past everybody else, all the kids that are waiting in line, I'm like, go pass, you know, it's like, see you guys later, you know, I'm going to be riding Diamondback, sorry, you should have had your parents buy you a gold pass, what could I say, you know. And so I'm feeling pretty good about myself, and I walk through the line, and I've just been done that over the years, and I have found out there's a platinum pass, are you kidding me? Like there's a plat. how many, where's my platinum members, you got some platinum? Okay, I don't know. So, all right, we got one platinum guy. That's awesome. All right, I'm, I'm hanging with you. Um, any park. Yeah, right, you go to any Cedar Fair park with the platinum pass, right? So it has all the perks, and now I feel like a loser because I just have a gold pass, right? I'm only gold status. But here's what I've learned. Nobody has earned special status in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how long you've been around. It doesn't matter what you think you've paid into it. Nobody has earned special status. But through the name of Jesus, we're all platinum. We're all platinum. Everybody's a VIP. You can tell somebody later, say, you're platinum. You're platinum. You're platinum. You really are. You're platinum. In the kingdom of God, we all have the ability to be platinum because of what Jesus did, not because of anything we've done. 
When I was a kid, we used to get into showcase cinemas for free, which was just a cool thing because my grandpa knew this guy that managed all the theaters like in the areas. He's like the big wig of showcase cinemas. His name was Bob Horton. I just felt cool because like I knew Bob, right? Like I knew Bob, which meant when I showed up to the theater, I didn't have to have tickets in hand. I could just be like, hey, I'm with Bob, you know, and they'd be like, oh, you're with Bob, are you? Okay, and they'd walk me in, they'd show me up into the behind the scenes area if I wanted to see that, they'd let me like watch whatever, I'd get to see movies sometimes before they even came out, all because I knew Bob, and I'd just be like, hey, I'll drop the Bob card, you know, and you guys will give me the royal treatment, it's, it's amazing, and so, um, so I, would do, I would do that, it's all about who I knew, right, it's all about who I know, all right, kids, say to somebody around you, say it's who you know, Say it. Go ahead. You can interact. It's who you know. Adults, you can say it too. Say it to somebody. It's who you know. It's not what you did. It's not what you do. It's not how many scriptures you can name. Those are good things, right? It's not how long you've been going to church. It's not how righteous you appear. It's not how many Toby Mac CDs you have. Oh, that's awesome. It's not what you know. Tell somebody it's who you know. Say it. Go ahead. Tell them. I want to make sure you get it. It's who you know. All right, kids still with me? It's who you know, right? It's by Jesus that we get the platinum pass into the kingdom because we know Jesus. That's how we get invited to the party. We just walk up to the party. We're like, hey, I'm with Jesus. I know him. I know Jesus. And then you get the royal treatment. Why? Only because you know Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel is that it's open to everyone. Everyone has the opportunity to be a VIP because it's who you know. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the way the truth, the life. In other words, you didn't earn your way. You're not the way. I don't care how many good things you do. I don't care how many good versus bad or anything like that. It's not you earning your way. I am the way, which means you didn't earn your way. Ephesians 2, 8 says it this way, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so nobody can brag about it. Nobody can boast about, hey, look at how good I am, because this is not from you. This is a gift of God that we get to receive and experience. The kingdom is a gift that we get to taste only because of what Jesus has done. We're platinum because of him and for no other reason. And everybody's invited. Everybody can be a VIP. But the truth is, and as we see in this parable, not everybody accepts the invitation. In Jesus' day, what would happen is they would, when they would throw a banquet, they would throw out the, an invitation, say, hey, reserve your spot to the party, right? And then there would be a second invitation that went out, and it says, the feast is now ready, come to the party. And so when they sent that first invitation out, um, a lot of people were like, yeah, I'm in, cool, I'm in, let's go, that sounds awesome, I'll be there. And they reserved their spot, but when the invitation came back around and the feast was ready, a bunch of them had excuses, Wait a minute, didn't you mark yes on your Facebook invitation to the party? What do you mean now something came up? You know, what do you mean something more important came up? What do you mean, some, uh, what are you talking about? You marked yes on your Facebook invitation. Don't do that, by the way. That's, that's annoying. Just kidding. Um, you know who you are, right? You've marked yes on your Facebook invitation. You're like, oh, sorry, you know, I get Something else cooler came up. But that's what's happening in this text, right? That they, they had reserved their spot. They thought that, hey, we're going to the party. We're going to be there. But when the party came in the name of Jesus, they were like, eh, there's some other stuff going on here. Eh, some of the Pharisees were like, I kind of like the power a little bit more than I, I'm going to just kind of stick with that. Eh, this other thing's going on. I've got this ox that I need to attend to. I just married a wife. Whatever it is, the everyday things of life kept them from really experiencing the kingdom that God had in store for them. Jesus doesn't forget anyone, but he also doesn't force anyone. He's not going to make anyone 
come to the party. And doesn't it cease to be a party at that point anyway? As soon as you feel like you have to go, right? Like, oh, hey, thanks for coming to my party. Oh, yeah, my mom made me come. Like, this is really lame. You know, I don't really want to be here. Like, as soon as it becomes an obligation, it's no longer a party. Like, hey, thanks for telling me that. Um, Jesus doesn't forget anyone, but he doesn't force anyone. Why? Because obligation robs celebration. Obligation robs celebration. Obligation robs celebration, and it kills this connection that we're meant to have with Jesus in the name of love, not out of obligation, not because we need to do enough things so that we can earn our way. No, I already told you, we get freedom. We get to be a VIP because of Jesus is, not who we are. And so now we get to celebrate this new life that we have in him, and we get to live differently and reflect something different because of that, not because we're forced to. Not because Jesus is up there like, hmm, they didn't read their Bible three times this week. Oh, yeah, they're slipping big time. It's not like that. It's not like keeping score. It's just, man, I love to read my Bible. I love to dive into God's word because I can, because I can connect with him that way, because I can interact with him that way. It's not an obligation. And if we're being honest, some of us would be like, you know what? If I'm just being really truthful, it's become an obligation for me. It's become about what I have to do, not what I get to do. The joy was somewhere robbed from me along the way, and I no longer genuinely just enjoy this connection with Jesus. And for some of us, we just have to acknowledge that and ask God to stir our affection for him all over again. Because if living for God feels like obligation, you're missing the point. And by default, you're missing out on the kingdom party that's happening. Elizabeth Barrett Browning once wrote, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush is a fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the one that's sitting around plucking blackberries when the entire world that, that God has created and that God lives in and dwells in is within reach, and I can experience those things. God has given us this gift that is acceptable to us, but many of us miss out on it entirely. Because we're too hung up with our ox, we're too hung up with our field, we're too hung up in the day-to-day things that we miss out on this kingdom party. I uh, am a huge Wildcats fan, and many of you guys know this about me, but I love Kentucky basketball. Um, I've always wanted to, like for the longest time, go to like a Final Four game when Kentucky's in it. And my brother got to do that. I have not got to do that. Truthfully, when I was at school there, we were garbage, and now we're great. And I'm like, I I would love to just get down um, to a game. Now, if one of you guys came to me like in the middle of March, we found out Kentucky was going to be in the Final Four, and you're like, bro, I got Final Four tickets. Are you in? I would be like, Yes. And I wouldn't ask anybody any questions. I probably should have asked my wife, but I would say yes, and then I would go back to whatever other obligations or things that I have, and I would reschedule my entire calendar. I don't care if we're out of money in the bank account. I'm selling a kidney, right, to pay for my way to go there. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be sitting in that arena when the cats are playing come tip-off time because this is a cool invitation, and I want to be a part of it. And so last thing I'm going to do is be like, yeah, that's sounds awesome, but, right? No, I'm not going to do that. You see, if you want something bad enough, you will do whatever it takes to take hold of it. And Jesus makes this point in Matthew 13, 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. A man found it, he covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Why? Because nothing is more valuable than that. There's nothing in this world or no excuse or no other thing that is as valuable as that. So he's easy to throw everything else behind and say, I want that. I want to take hold of that. 
And let me just be real for a second, and i got to be honest with myself, and this is something that I thought about this week as I was preparing for this message. You know, maybe the reason sometimes we don't see the things of the kingdom in our life Maybe the reason that some of us aren't seeing real transformation or, you know, we keep trying and never changing or whatever it might be, maybe the real reason is we simply don't want it. I know that feels heavy, but maybe it's true. Maybe for some of us, we just don't really want it. Not that much. You know, we maybe want it a little bit, but when you ask me to start giving some things up, when you ask me to start being generous, when you start asking me to actually live out these really difficult things in God's word so that I can receive the blessing and the promises of God, I don't know that we want it that bad. And that's just reality. I have to ask myself, is Jesus really the thing that I want more than anything else? Is his kingdom my greatest desire? You've heard me use the quote before, if it's something that's important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse, and we see this here in this text. And so maybe it's not always as important as we think it is. Maybe it's more about building your life. Maybe it's more about building your business. Maybe it's more about, you know, the day-to-day things that go on, and we just miss out on the goodness and great things that God has in store for us. Maybe it's just more about, you're just more interested in doing the things that you want to do, when you want to do them, and have that kind of freedom. And so when Jesus kind of gets in there and is like, hey, I really would like you to, or I really want you to be obedient on, or I really want you to step into the kingdom in this way, you're like, ooh, appreciate the invitation. I really would like to do that, but I don't have enough margin in my life to do those things. And so the question is, what do you desire the most? What do you want the most? Is it Jesus? Because we have everything to lose if we don't choose Jesus above all else. C.S. Lewis says there are far better things ahead than any we leave behind. The things of the kingdom are so much greater than any little small thing of the world that we might try to cling to. Anything that we might try to build on our own or do on our own is nothing compared to what God has in store for the people that love him. In other words, friends, nothing is worth missing this party over. Look at your life. Are there things that you're choosing over the kingdom? Are there things that you're choosing over God? Because nothing is worth missing this party over. 1 Corinthians 2, 8 through 10. I love the way Paul paints this picture. He says, none of the rulers of this age understood this for if they had they would have not crucified the lord of glory but as it is written listen to this what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what god has prepared for those who love him did you catch i'm going to read it again because i don't know if you caught it ready what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what god has prepared with for those who love him simply put you ain't seen nothing yet You think you've seen some great things. You think you've seen some blessing. You think you've seen some promises fulfilled in your life. You've not seen anything yet. You can't even wrap your small little minds around this. You can't even get your eyes on the prize in the way that you really understand this fully. Your heart can't even fully imagine what God wants to bless you with, what God wants to do in your life, what God wants to set you free from. Simply put, you ain't seen nothing yet. There is nothing in this world that is more important or worth missing God's party for. God has incredible things in store for you. The question is, how bad do you want it? 
And as we read on, the message gets back to then the master, what's happened. The servant goes out and is like, hey, a bunch of folks, you know, they replied yes on their Facebook invitation, but they didn't. They can't come now. And so he reports that back to them, and he, be, he begins to have this conversation with them. The master, the house became angry and said to his servant, all right, here's what you're going to do. Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the, the, blind and the lame. Um, and the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is more room. And the master said to the servant, go into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Here's the beauty of that. Jesus is telling them as he paints this picture and tells this story that there's more room at the table. There's more room. Go out. Tell everybody you know. Compel them. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, go out into the streets. In other words, go out into the margins of society, go out into the fringes, go out and find the people that have been forgotten, that have been overlooked, that have been mistreated, that have been abused. Go out to those people, and I want you to tell them there's more room in the house. There's more room in the house. There's more room in the kingdom of God. God wants you to be here. Compel them that my house may be filled. When I was a kid, our house, um, and actually Rob's house, he lived across the street from me. Right in around our houses, it was just like the hub of activity. There was always some sort of sport going on, always somebody getting hurt and going to the hospital, but that's another story. Um, but there was just so much activity going on. We would play golf, we would play soccer, we would play everything. And when it, the day came to an end, we would all end up at, around somebody's table, either be at Rob's house, be at my house. And it didn't matter who, this isn't my kid, this isn't my kid. It's just like, hey, it's time for dinner, right? There's more room at the table. There's more room at the table. There's more food here. Let's pull up a chair. Let's be there. And that's what Jesus is telling us here is there's more room at the table. There's more room at the table. And you're like, what about even me? You don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You know, and I'm not really, am I really one of God's kids? And there's more room at the table for you. When uh, people ask me a lot of times, because we'll have these conversations with people, just like, tell me, what is Axis like? You know, and I just, I try to communicate it in a way that's just like, helps under, everyday people understand what Axis is like. And the truth is, there's so many good things about Axis. There's so many healthy things about Axis. There's so many things I just love about these people. I'm like, and I just know that if people met the people of Axis, they'd be like, those are some party people. I like those people. I want to hang with those people. I want to be a part of those people. And it's usually through, via that community that, that we then give them a window into what Jesus did for them by inviting them around the table. And so I tell them about the people of Axis. Man, those are just some good people. I love those people. And here's a word that I would use to describe those people. Those people are just real people. They're just everyday people. They don't put on any airs. They don't put on, act like they have it all together. They're just real people. They have real struggles just like you. And they're pursuing the real love of the real God. That's the difference. And then I tell them, I have good news. There's more room at the table. There's more room at the table. When I first started student ministry and we were really kind of building uh, access student community from the ground up and starting the church and trying to figure out what we should do, we didn't have a place that we really called home for student community at that time. And so we met in coffee shops. And one of the coffee shops that we met at um, was right down the road here, Kid Coffee. And it was in a different building at that time. Had those big glass windows on the front. It's now Troy's Cafe. And so we would meet there a lot of times. And one night I remember we were having this game night. We were just having a ton of fun playing these games. We were laughing. It was a good old time. And um, I just was really enjoying the kids that night. And I remember 
that there was also, and I hadn't seen them, but there was these kids sitting on the outside of the room of where we were at gathered. They were outside. And one of our leaders had seen them through the window, and they were just watching what was going on. As we're having a great time, they're just kind of sitting there, you know, watching what's going on. So he takes initiative. He goes out. He's like, hey, why don't you guys come in? Why don't you join us? And so he invites them around the table. He's like, there's more room at the table. Come on. Come sit with us. And so they do. They sit with us. And they have a great time. And it's an opportunity for us to connect with them and get to know them and learn their story. And it was just such a simple thing, right? I see you on the outside. Why don't you come in? And I tell that story for two reasons. The first reason that I tell that story is nobody should ever be on the outside looking in. Nobody should ever be looking at the party and being like, man, what's going on over there? Nobody should be looking at our lives and and, and getting curious about our lives and asking those questions. We all have those people, right, don't we, that are curious about something in your life. They're like, there's something different about you. We're doing things the right way and we're part of the kingdom party. They're going to start to notice that you have joy like nobody else has joy. You have this peace like nobody. Even through difficult circumstances, you handle those things in a different way. You're not quick to get angry with your spouse in the way that other people might. And you just, there's just a way that you just show this respect and these things that are just different. So they start getting curious. And so when they do that, you start inviting them inside. You start giving them a window into your world to say, hey, listen, I can't take credit for any of it. It's Jesus, and I've just been a part of this Jesus party, and continue to invite them in simple ways back in. So the first thing, nobody should ever be on the outside looking in. Here's the other thing, and I'm ashamed to admit the fact that I didn't notice that they were out there. I was too caught up in having fun in the moment and enjoying the moment around the table with all of our students that I didn't even notice the kids that were sitting outside, not a part of our party. And the other thing that I've observed is that the longer you've been on the inside, the easier it is to forget those on the outside. In fact, the people that have been freshly encountered Jesus in such a way that he's taken over their life, they're usually the best at inviting other people in because they can't stop talking about it. They're just like, listen how God's changed my life. i got to tell you because it was a mess and now it's good and you got to see what this is all about. But the longer you've been on the inside, the easier it is to lose sight of and forget about those on the outside. Church, may that not be the case with us. May we continue to have eyes for the people that God has eyes for, to continue to pursue them, continue to identify those on the outside and say, hey, you got to come to the party. you got to be a part of this thing. And rather than sending mixed messages to a watching world, rather this be our message, there's a party going on and there's more room. Come be a part of it. Go to the fringes and tell people there's more room. There's room for the brokenhearted. Yep, there's room for the brokenhearted here. There's room for the addicted here. But my life, there's room for the abused here. There's room for the overlooked here. There's room for those that are different than us. There's room for those that are tired and weary and life's gotten the best of them. There's room for people whose marriages are falling apart. There's room for people that just feel like, they're, you know what, there's no way I could step in church. There's room for you here. There's more room around the table. And it's our job to go with that message and compel people. you got to come in. you got to experience the party. There's room for you. There's room for you around this table. And so let me just challenge you with two things as we close up here. The first is this. If some of you are on the outside looking in, I just want to invite you in. Come back to God. God wants a relationship with you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to be in on this kingdom party that starts now and it lasts, it lasts into eternity. And we're going to continue to praise the name of Jesus over all of eternity. We have no less days to sing his praise as the hymn goes. The party's just getting started. Don't miss it. 
Don't miss it. And so for some of you, you need to make that decision for the first time and say, I'm not missing the party. I'm getting in on that. And for some of you, I don't know what the excuse has been, whether it's been a family dynamic or whether it's been something else, and you've allowed excuses to get in your way. But I just say, just remove the excuses. Nothing is worth missing this party over. Some of you need to say, I'm signing up. I'm going all in. I want to join the party. Some of you need to rejoin the party. Because you were partying with us for a while, and then something kind of got distracting. You started drifting off, and you're like, hey, this got a little bit more important to me. This got a little bit more important to me. And slowly but surely, you kind of drifted in a different direction, and life became about something other than Jesus. And so I want to invite you back to the party. No shame. You get to come back. You get to experience the party all over again. And you get to say, you know what? I've been missing the party. I need to get back in on the party again. And so I need to come back to the party. Some of you need to join the party. Some of you need to rejoin the party. The last thing we need to do, and this is important, we need to go out and compel people to come in. We need to let people know there's a party going on at Axis Church. There's some party people there. They're crazy. They're weird. They're wild. And I just, you got to get in on this thing. It's a group of people, a community of people that the most special thing about them is they've allowed Jesus into their life and has done incredible things there. And so, that's what we need to do. We need to go out and we need to be party people, that we need to take the party to people. Some people aren't ever going to come through the doors, at least not at first. So you got to take the party to them, right? You need to show up at their doorstep and be like, man, you have got, like, you want to ask me about my life, let me tell you why, right? And you need to go and you need to gather in places where people are gathering and you need to let them know what party people are like and what Jesus is like and you need to show them something refreshing. And so for some of us, we need to go to and be kind of the party on the road, right? We're going to be the road tour here. We're going to go out into the places, into the fringes, into the margins, into the places where God wants to break into the lives of everyday people and we're going to go and show up in those places. For some of us, it's as simple as you need to fill your tables, You need to compel people to come to my house. Come to my house. Come around my dinner table. We want to invite you in. We want you to be here. We want you to to see relationship. We want you to see what happens in our home. And so for some of us, it's as simple as getting beyond yourself and saying, I need to invite some people around my table. The other thing is, as we fill our tables, I believe that God will fill his house. As we fill this table here at Axis Church, as we continue to fill this house, may God fill his house. May God continue to expand what happens in heaven one life at a time. And that's what I would ask. That's really our prayer here. We're party people. Our unified message is this, and I'm just going to leave you with this text as we celebrate a little bit more, as we head out, and hopefully you have some things to think about, and hopefully God is challenging you through his spirit to join the party, to rejoin the party, and for some of us, go say, let people know there's a party, and you need to be a part of it. And so our message is this. This comes from 2 Corinthians 5. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, we're his representatives. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God, come home, there's more room at the table. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. May that be our message, come to the party.
There's more room at the table. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love. I pray, God, for some of us that you would just take us back to this place where we first came into the party. Remind us how far we were from you at that time, God. Remind us how much you've changed our lives, God. Remind us how much we needed you, how broken we were apart from you, God. Reacquaint us with that moment, God, when you invaded our lives. I pray that we would have that same kind of hunger, that same kind of eagerness, that same kind of thirst for you, God. And I pray, God, that for some of us, we just jump back into the party. We know that we've been missing the party, God, and we want to get back in on the party. And so, God, I know you don't ask any questions. You just want your children home and back around the table, God. And so I just, I thank you for that, God, that though we make mistakes, though we drift, you always welcome us home with open arms, God. And so I thank you for that. And God, I just pray that you would continue to create a spirit inside of us that compels us to go out into this community, go out into the lives of our friends and into the networks of people that we know, God, out into the margins and continue to compel people. Come in, come to the party. Show us how we might do that, God, and we want to be obedient to you in all these things. We pray this in Jesus' name.